Alright! Wednesday, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard. I am your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. This is Discussions of Truth. Comes at you weekly, Wednesday, at 5 o'clock hour. Winwood Radio. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. It's I-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Catch all my past episodes. I think we're at 103 and counting. That's over two years of bringing discussions of truth your way. Originally known as the Florida Sun and Spray Show. Why Sun and Spray? Because as a Californian by origin... I found my way over to the East Coast, the Florida beaches. Little did I know of various chemical threats that are in the air. And it's not just Florida, but the Zika virus is what set this program off. So what was sprayed to combat the threat of the Zika virus in otherwise known, an otherwise known benign virus, for the most part. Something called Nalid, or Dibrom, a Chevron Chemical Corporation product that is known to cause microcephaly. That is the shrinking and damage of the brain in a developing fetus. It's banned by the European Union. Banned. That's B-A-N-N-E-D. Banned. By the European Union. Why then would it be used in Florida? Why was he authorized by the CDC to be used in Miami? In Wynwood, as a matter of fact, and South Beach. Bitly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash capital Z, capital I, capital K, capital A, Zika, capitals, Miami Beach, capital M and B. You type that in your web browser and you will discover exactly why I do what I do. And make no mistake about it, that led me down a road and a trail of the deep state before the deep state, as a hashtag, as a commonly used term in U.S. government, was used in the U.S. government, a la Donald Trump. Yes, this happened before the deep state. I had gone into discovering. Now, deep state had been a phrase that had been used before Donald Trump did not incept that use, that, 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 that term. It was used before, but he made it mainstream from, from, from everything I can tell. And yes, there is, there are hands, there are organizations that control the politics of the United States government. That is the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. And today, a man that's fought this by otherwise known as a founder of an alternative party. And we have hosted Cynthia McKinney on this program. Six-term U.S. Congresswoman. Ran for president of the United States under the Green Party. So as an alternative to the two main parties, that is Republican and Democrat, Carl Denninger joins the program in about 10 minutes to discuss what he's doing to make a difference in 
the political system and why he is considered a founder of the Tea Party. The Tea Party. So, taking no sides politically, and we don't talk religion, we don't get into political sides, we talk about a constitutional government, a constitutional republic. That is what we live in with democratic values. That is what we live in in 2019 in the United States of America. What are the values and principles that have made this country great? Last week, Melvin Goodman joined the program. He spent three decades in the CIA. And he said, Ian, what we become, this global massive empire, uh, the sun never sets on the British Empire was the term. Yeah, well, the sun does not set on the American empire. And make no mistake, this is an empire. The founding fathers did not put together what we know as a constitution. They did not put that document together to create an empire. They did it, in my opinion, and this is quasi-fact, to give people like you and me the freedom to preach and pray and practice religion as we would like. Okay? Religious freedom. It's a cornerstone of this country. And it's a cornerstone that's made this country great. Because whether you're Jewish or you're Christian Christian or you're Muslim or you're Hindi, it doesn't matter. Right? If you're a peaceful, loving person, Come join this great country. That's, that's kind of the basic idea, right? You may see it differently. That's, that's how I see it. Freedom of religion. Freedom of speech, right? You want to say what you want to say? You say you don't like Trump. You say you don't like Obama. You say you don't like Clinton. You say you don't like Bush. You say you don't like JFK. You say whatever you want. What's, you know, words, what's the sticks and stones that break my tongue? The words never hurt. Right. Well, in 2019, censorship is becoming quite a thing, isn't it? I hope you agree, because if you don't agree, perhaps you should be looking down some other avenues you're not looking at, because censorship is a very real threat to your freedoms, and that is freedom of speech, i.e., for instance. Now, another freedom we take for granted increasingly not so much take for granted, is freedom of press. Impeach mass media is a campaign that I started, that Discussions of Truth basically started, to give you an idea of the structure behind the American media empire. And Ray McGovern, who spent, similar to Melvin Goodman, about three, more than three decades in the CIA, different they overlapped, they overlapped careers, whereas different, different, different sections, different things. But uh, I'm, I'm sure they're very familiar with each other, with each other, and it seemed that Melvin was, as we spoke to him last week. Ray McGovern says, "Ian, this is a military-industrial media complex, and if you listen to the last week's show with Goodman." 
he actually quoted Eisenhower as the speech calling for military-industrial congressional complex. So he was, by otherwise, looking to attack the corruption in Congress. How far have we come since Eisenhower and then JFK getting his head blown off? For what? For looking into the deep state, no doubt about it. Make no mistake about it. Flip over your dollar bill. You think you think conspiracy theories are fly-by-night? Flip over your dollar bill and explain the mottos and the quotes and the and, 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 and the Latin. Explain that pyramid. Explain that I. Explain, right? Explain that stuff. Explain. Novus Ordo Seclorum, New World Order. Order. I mean, I, I mention it frequently on the program because it's a very real thing. This, these are very real issues. And they're threatening your way of life unless you heed Melvin's commentary, which is do something. Do something about it. Stand up, make a voice, make your voice heard. Okay, write a letter to your senator, your congressional representative, do something. Venezuela, being based in Miami and privy to various Latin American issues, Venezuela, arguably, is, there's a couple different reports. They're they're selling 20 tons of their gold bars. Okay, they're they're in a big, big trouble. So, So how does that kind of speak for the global economic stronghold. How does that speak? What what does that mean? Okay, how much conspiracy is behind that going to the Russians? Why is it going to the Russians? Is it really going to the Russians? Well, the bottom line is this. The United States, yes, powerful military for sure. The United States is a country in major debt. 20 plus trillion dollars. Okay? Doesn't make me proud. Kevin Ship is is scheduled. He's confirmed. He will join the program. Working on a date. April 6th, we will host Chief Scientist of NASA Langley, Dennis Bushnell. He's confirmed. April 6th. March 6th. Trained by the BBC, Tony Gosling is a British activist, historian, and investigative radio journalist. He's best known for his research published at uh, getting into the global economic conspiracy theories, if you will. Bilderberg.com. Richard Lighthouse is an American author and researcher. Lighthouse holds a Master's of Science in Mechanical Engineering from Stanford University. And previously, he worked for NASA. He regularly submits self-publications via Smashwords, Barnes & Nobles Online, and Amazon Online. Here's an interesting quote, and I mentioned it last week. Here's an interesting quote. He'll join us February 27th. Here's an interesting quote. This is from Richard Lighthouse. Scheduled to join the program February 27th. Lloyd's Banking Group is probably the largest corporation in the world. 
with a global market capitalization exceeding 2.4 quadrillion USD, according to Yahoo Finance. This company was formed in 1995. Based on its financial, it appears to be hiding trillions of dollars in assets. The total market capitalization, capitalization of the stocks listed on the London Stock Exchange as LLD5, LLD excuse me, LLD2, LLD5, LLD6, and LLD7 are quite large. In fact, he says, larger than all other banks in the world combined. Think about that because it bears repeating. One bank in London has more assets and value than all other banks in the world combined. This is according to Richard Lighthouse. It is at least 100 times larger than the next largest bank, J.P. Morgan Chase. So, if that resonates with you at all, how powerful then is the city of London? How powerful then is the Queen of England? And if the United States is in a $23 trillion debt... Who are they in debt to? And where is that Venezuelan gold if it leaves, if it has left, if it's going to leave, where is it going to? So who's Venezuela in debt to? Who are they paying off? Is Russia being masked? Has the United Kingdom puppeted the United States of America last century? Is the question I ask, absolutely I ask. And I feel very, very open about asking that question. I have no problem asking that question. Tea Party. Right? Boston Harbor. Boston Harbor. Those taxes. Right? These are very legitimate questions to be asking, folks. And you should be doing the same. I do. One of Britain's most prolific alternative lecturers, Andy Thomas, is internationally renowned. Now, half of my family's British. Okay? But doesn't mean there aren't issues. And I'm a very proud American. Andy Thomas is internationally re renowned for his research on Western world history and unsolved mysteries. He is author of multiple books, perhaps best known for The Truth Agenda, Making Sense of Unexplained Mysteries, Global Cover-Ups, and ver Visions of a New Era 2009. He'll join the program February 20th. And today, again, first off, actually, let me mention JFK because I've mentioned him a couple times here. Anytime a guy of that stature, anytime any guy gets his head blown off, you got to ask why. Okay. But we're talking about, and I go back to this, regardless of your political kind of divide, where you stand politically, where you stand with your values or ethics, whatever, when you don't stand politically. Regardless, in, 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 in under JFK's presidency, America kind of came together, if you don't remember that. America seemed to love John F. Kennedy. They had a love affair with him. He was a good-looking guy, great-looking family, beautiful wife, smart, intelligent, Harvard. And he seemed very balanced in his thinking. You know, today it's it's insane. You know, you've got a clear divide with Trump. But so why did JFK get a, get 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 get? Was it why was he assassinated? 
that's still unsolved. <laughs> it's an unsolved mystery. 2019, nobody knows exactly why JFK was killed. But we'll be re-hosting Mark Shaw to the program. And the last time he joined us, the reporter who knew too much, the Dorothy Kilgallen story, uh, just after he met with us, just after he joined the discussion to truth, the, 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 the book got picked up by the Dowdle brothers, who are connected and tied into Paramount Pictures, to be, for, to be made into a movie. So the Dorothy Kilgallen story will be coming to a screen near you. Carl Denninger is widely considered a founding member of the Tea Party. Soon after he began to grow to national prominence, he began to distance himself as he say, alignment too similar to the National Republican Party. Pardon me, I was reading that and it didn't come out right, so I'm not going to correct myself. I'm going to continue. An outspoken opponent to corporate fraud in the United States financial system, Deniger works to clean out and sift through the very nepotistic tentacles that run Wall Street. Deniger is sort of certified ham operator. Why would that be important? Yourself, if your cell towers go down, a hurricane comes into Miami, or an earthquake hits California, or a hurricane hits uh, New York, or a cold spell hits, knocks out cell towers. How do you gonna? How, how do you communicate? A ham off, a ham radios, uh, one way. In case you didn't know, I will return with Mister Deniger right after this. Listening to a little bit of Metallica. You've joined Discuss the Truth on Windward Radio Wednesdays, five o'clock. I'm right here. I'm your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Puppets there, Metallica. They are an L.A.-based band historically, but reside in the San Francisco Bay Area. Make no mistake about it, I remember riding my skateboard in San Francisco to those tunes. Great American band, as far as I'm concerned. We have today Carl Denninger joining the program. Carl, how are you? I'm doing great. That is fantastic. Are you in Chicago? No, I used to live in Chicago, but a very long time ago. I live in the Florida Panhandle now and have for the last uh, 15 years or so. So you uh, you were hit with some high winds earlier this year. 
Oh, no, we didn't get it all that bad. Now, a little further to the east, that was a different story. But uh, it, it's a risk of living in this area. You, you're, you prepare for it every year, and once in a while it happens. Now, tell us a little bit about a little bit about yourself, Carl. You are the founder of MCS Net Macro Computer Solutions. That's correct. Yeah, it, it was one of the first internet public internet companies that sold access to the public. Uh, we uh, we set that up in uh, 1993. It actually started in my closet, believe it or not. It was a real right. closet industry. <laughs> and wound up as a multi-million dollar company uh, with a third of a floor, about 8,300 square feet at uh, two Prudential Plaza in downtown Chicago. Wow, fantastic. Now, who were, uh, the, who were the competitors in that space at the time? Oh, Lord. Uh, there were 100 <laughs> by the time we got done. We, we had 100 competitors with it about uh, two or three years. We were second by a day, but the first guy went out of business a couple of years later. So uh, by some standards, I guess you could say we were first. So we're, you're, uh, you're looking so at we, like a GoDaddy on a parallel. Is that what uh, MCSNet was or was it a little more uh, – how, how would uh, – was it, was it like a GoDaddy? It was a hosting well, hosting service? Oh, it started as a as a access service for the public. So the the original uh, service that we sold was uh, essentially like dial-up access, much like America Online, uh, but very rapidly ended up adding both business class services, dedicated circuits, and hosting. Uh, we were the first ones to figure out how to do split hosting across uh, for multiple clients across a single machine that was essentially virtualized, and this was before. The virtual machine uh, revolution took over, and of course, all the cloud businesses, uh, you know, piggybacked off of that innovation. But uh, we figured out how to do it at a at a different level before that technology was available in consumer uh, available CPUs. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. without getting into the mainframe class of stuff, because um, that was that was always the the problem with that is that uh, historically you could do that kind of thing on a mainframe, but you couldn't afford the mainframe. Sure, 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 sure. Um, but it, it, Tim Tim Berners Lee it, it, basically he's the the, foud, the father of uh, the WWW protocol, and that that stems from CERN. It, it, what's the in, in, in your view of you know kind of America Online to use that cliche phrase? Where does that originate? Uh, because it, it certainly it, certainly connecting computers. Um, globally, was uh, you know was a was a, a, a military type uh, a, a type um, uh, a, a technology, but then but then it became um, known to the public and it became mainframe and, and, and corporatized. But uh, to give to give listeners a little bit of your background in regards to that technology section, how did you get involved and and, and can you connect any dots to what Tim was working on there at CERN? Um, yeah, I think so. The, the original design of that protocol, protocol we all use today called TCPIP, uh, was put together by the Defense Department, DARPA. It's a research program. And the, the reason it was originally designed was to allow our warfighting people to continue to operate in the event of a nuclear war. And so, as, as you can imagine, the protocol was designed to be extraordinarily robust and to work around things that uh, were ash because they'd just been nuked out of existence. So that uh, turns out to, to be a very desirable property for a civilian network as well because, you know, you, things break, uh, stuff gets blown up, it, you know, you have a fire in your building or whatever have you. So 
there's uh, there's a lot of things that are good from that point of view, and it, it kind of got co-opted. Um, and then there was a split that occurred. The uh, the network that started with with DARPA in the civilian world was kind of stolen by the NSF, the National Science Foundation, and became the NSF net, which connected universities. Okay. And in order to talk to that, you had to have some kind of educational connection. In other words, you had to have some reason to be talking to professors and doing research work and things like this. Uh, two gentlemen, uh, Rick Adams and Marty Schaufstoll, set up two companies, UUNet and PSI, and built a parallel network around the National Science Foundation network and started selling service to the public. And that's where the public Internet that we know today was born. Uh, our company essentially took a, a, a step somewhat beyond that in that what Marty and Rick were doing uh, was not selling individual access to individual persons. Uh, they were selling dedicated circuits for the most part to companies and, and firms like ours in the end. And so we, we were, you know, one further step down the line. Uh, but it really didn't take off originally, and the reason is you had to be able to understand Unix and use a command line, an old-fashioned 80-column terminal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that was how it worked. And uh, it was Windows 95 okay. that, that actually brought that to the common person because Windows 95 – made possible the use of a graphic browser. That's where Internet Explorer came from, and then, of course, you know, Mozilla and Firefox followed that. But that was where the integrated dialer, so that you could push a button and have your modem connect with your central site and get onto the Internet, it made it easy enough for people to do without having to really know much. Uh, and that, is, that was where the explosive growth took place. Okay, and this is, uh, that's kind of the, the early... Uh... Oh, 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 the early 2000 turn dot com. Is that what you're referring to? Oh, no, 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 no. It, it actually started in 1995. Windows 95 was appropriately named. Oh, OK. OK, great. All right. And so that's and, and yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it, we had we had multiple people at the computer stores on the night of the release. It was Windows 95 was was one of those 1201. You can buy it things, um, you know, like Apple likes to do with their new iPhones. Yeah, and uh, and Microsoft did the same thing with Windows ninety five. It came on a a stack of floppy disks, the three and a half inch, uh, you know, the hard ones. And uh, we had multiple people at the stores. They they had the copies, and then we we literally had our technical people there all night getting it up and running because we knew what was going to happen the next morning, and it did. The phone started ringing, and it never stopped. Oh my goodness! Wow, amazing. So the business just kind of took off from at that point. Oh, yeah, it exploded at that point. And then, uh, of course, uh, you know, as time has gone on, nobody uses a dial-up connection anymore. Now it's all cable modem or DSL or, or in many cases, off your phone on wireless. So you you obviously had a big enough impact in, uh, in, 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 in the technology industry in, in, in that regard uh, that your voice carried – um, when you began, was it a blog post that you made uh, uh, regarding the Tea Party? Uh, you're considered a founding member of that, or one of the early members to join that party. Yeah, that was a that was a little further down the road. Uh, what yeah. originally started my publishing uh, endeavors, if you will, was in uh, 2007, early part of 2007. There was a very large stock market drop. Of course, uh, being semi-retired and, and sitting in Florida and uh, having sold my company, I was kind of interested in why all of a sudden I saw all this red ink on my screen. 
And when I looked into it, what I found was that the banks were doing things that were absolutely fraudulent and illegal, and uh, they had had a, just had a problem over in China. And so I decided that, uh, well, you know, the, the market had been good to me and the economy had been good to me, so I'd pay some of that back and uh, started writing on this. Uh, that was in the early part of 2007, and the first, uh, first articles were dealing with Washington Mutual, which was uh, they had announced their earnings and were paying more money out in dividends than they were taking in in actual cash. That was a Seattle-based bank? Yeah, they they were one of the West Coast uh, mavens. They, along with IndyMac, blew up during the crisis. And I I predicted in that original post that they were going to blow up and that what they were doing should bring immediate regulatory response. Of course, there was no regulatory response, but the market took care of them in time and they went out of business. The uh, the Tea Party Association came from a a, uh, a video blog entry that I did. At, at the time, I was doing video entries uh, pretty much on a daily basis for people that were donors to the system because you know video bandwidth is pretty expensive, so I was paying a pretty good-sized hosting bill to do that. And, and uh, said that everybody ought to uh, consider, since Congress wasn't going to do anything about this, this was right after Obama's election, that they ought to send everybody a bag of tea in uh, in Congress, nothing threatening, just you know, one bag of tea, and the you know the implications obvious. And this is well, your idea. Yeah, well, a couple of days later, Rick Santelli said the same thing on the floor of the CME, interesting, <laughs> on CNBC. Now, I don't know if he read the the article or not, but uh, I I got tagged, and uh-huh. uh, so that that was how that all came about. And I I gave some speeches at some of the local events, and and you know some of the stuff around the state. And then the Tea Party got co-opted into basically rah-rah Republican and uh, the fraud's all fine and nobody needs to go to jail. And I said, well, you know what you can do with this? Uh, here, let me turn this middle finger up for you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> now, uh, uh, why, why, Carl, why, why a teabag? Well, because the implication was obvious, the Boston Tea Party you know, is—it was a kind of a uh, a non-threatening way of saying cut this out, or there might be a revolt. <laughs> yeah, it, w- it, was there any was there any banking tie-in uh, to, to to the British banking tie-in at all? Well, there was from my point of view because I not from the British, but from the the fraud that had gone on in the banking and the the uh, financial sector. Yeah, with Wall Street because I'd been writing about it at that point for a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. So let's get in. Let's get in now. Um, not, to, not to jump around, but 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 let's get into your view of what's going on politically in the United States, the political structure of the country. Well, I'm going to give your your listeners a scoop. Because there's an article coming out tomorrow, uh, so you're going to get uh, you're, you're going to be in front of this by about 12 hours, and and that is this situation we have going on in Virginia right now. All right, and I think this is a pretty good mold and model for what's been happening in this country for the last 20 or 30 years, and it's why we don't seem to get anything solved. I mean, let's I'll just take one quick example. The medical industry in this country robs approximately $3 trillion a year from Americans, steals it, does it through violations of 15 United States Code. Uh, those are felony violations, by the way. I'm talking about antitrust law. The medical and insurance industry has been all the way to the Supreme Court twice trying to claim exemptions to these laws. They lost both cases. Now, that was in the late 1970s and early 1980s. Uh, so there is no question that these laws apply. 
However, nobody at the federal or state level will do anything about it. They won't arrest anybody. They won't throw anyone in jail. Uh, they don't even threaten to fine people. Okay, they what they do manage to do is get laws passed that give them advantages that they could not get legally otherwise. For example, if you get on a plane and fly to India and load your suitcase up with Savaldi, the cure for hepatitis C, which costs about $1,000 for the entire course of treatment, bring it back to the United States where it costs $80,000 and you propose to sell it to people who need it, you will go to prison because it's against the law. It's a felony. Um, the fact that it is illegal to price fix, including internationally, uh, doesn't seem to bother anybody in the Justice Department. And yet that law was passed uh, <laughs> early 1900s. Okay, it's been around forever. Okay, so what's really going on here? Well, look at what we have in Virginia. We have a governor who allegedly, uh, during his time in medical school, had a picture in his yearbook with somebody in blackface and somebody else in a KKK robe on his page. Okay? Now, um, then you have the lieutenant governor who allegedly, if you read the news, uh, is now all over Fox. And I, I, I can't quantify the validity of this allegation, but supposedly uh, he essentially raped a woman uh, many years ago, uh, orally, but rape, nonetheless, a sexual assault. And then you've got today, just today, yeah. the attorney general, who's the third in succession, also supposedly had blackface at some point in the past in his history, too, and it did that as well. All right, now, I, I just want you to take just a moment for you and your audience to think about this. What are the odds that somebody is a sexual predator, just uh, the general population? You take, uh, you know, 10,000 guys, because, you know, let's face it, uh, guys are typically the assailants, not always, but right. typically. Yeah. What are the odds that an average guy, you don't take 10,000 people, how many of them do you think have, have committed a sexual assault of some kind at some point during their life? Uh, what, maybe, or, or something that might be considered a sexual assault. Maybe it really wasn't, but somebody thought it was. You know what, maybe one in 20, something like this? Okay. Yeah, fine. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. All right. And, and, and what percentage do you think of the population is an outrageously over-racist to the point that they put a KKK hood on and think it was funny? That's incredibly minuscule. There's just, Small, yeah, right? right? So now, remember, probabilities are multiplicative. Okay? So if it's 1 in 20, it's 1 in 400 that both of the, of the top two guys, and it's 1 in 8,000 that all three of them are. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay? We're starting to get into lottery-winning percentage yeah. <laughs> odds here, <laughs> right, all right? Right. I, I'm more likely to be hit by an asteroid as you go to get your mail in the afternoon. So <laughs> the problem that I have with all of this is that what does this tell me? This informs a great bit of what's going on in America and in American politics. Yes. And, and it's simply this. I've said this before. Now I've got some evidence to back up my claim, which is you do not get into a powerful position in American politics unless you can be blackmailed. Wow. Now, Carl, now, wow. Now, let me go further. Wow. Dennis Hastert, former Speaker of the House, was busted for structuring transactions long after he left political office to a person who he allegedly sexually assaulted as a boy 
Oh, boy. all right. Uh-huh. And he got caught for this, not for the, the sexual assault, but for the lying about where the money was going when he was taking it out of the bank, which is illegal. All right. And got busted for that. Now, here's the problem. The alleged assault happened long before he was a politician. So you have to believe that nobody knew that he had allegedly assaulted this kid and used it to get him to either bring things to the floor of the house or spike them. Right, right, right. All right. Do, do I think the same thing is probably true with ex-President Obama? Um, yeah. Oh, boy. I, I could go down the list on that one. There's a long list, okay, including alleged claims that he was a foreign student to get student to get special preferences when he was in college. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Questions about his selective service records. Okay. All of that ties into the whole Bertha thing, which, of course, you know, the people, uh, you know, I, I did a whole series of articles on the inconsistencies in the documents that were supposedly proffered. I don't know if they're, if those were forged documents or not. It doesn't really matter. The point is, do you think none of this was usable? Of course it was. All right. Now, all of a sudden, I've got the top three people in a state government, all three of them who are seriously compromised. The odds against that are astronomical. An individual, yeah, okay, you know what happens. But a series like this, I'm not buying it. That's not a coincidence. And what does that tell you about why all of these things go on in our country today, many of them blatantly against the law? Just look at what happened when, before the financial crisis. All these loans that were handed out to people that had no money, no right. ability to pay, no nothing. Yep. Fraud in the, the way that these securities were put together and sold. Fraud in the appraisals. Okay, by the way, that's still going on. I just got done with dealing with my late mother's estate, and there's still game playing going on in the appraisal business. An incredible amount of it. I could spend an hour on that alone. Uh, not one person. And by the way... We were supposedly on the brink of something worse than the Great Depression in 2008, right? right? This is what we were all told. This is why they had to spend $700 billion and bail all these people out, which, by the way, turned into trillions of dollars that ended up on the Fed's balance sheet and still hasn't come back off. About $3 trillion, which permanently increased the price of things like your health care. All right. And how did it happen that all of this happened there were more felonies than you can count involved in doing it. Ripping people off is against the law. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's supposed to be, right? I mean, if I walk into a bank or a convenience store and say, hey, give me all the money, right. I go to jail. Uh, but no one went to jail. No, Literally nobody, essentially. I mean, I, 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 there were a couple, I guess. There were, there were like a couple of people that got busted for mortgage fraud or something like this. Okay, right. We had a bank, Colonial, that wrote a bunch of paper down here in this area. The bank collapsed. The The entity that acquired them did a quickie forensic write-up of basically justifying to their shareholders, because it was a public firm, uh, why it is that we should take this these so-called toxic assets on. You know, I mean, hey, what makes you think this isn't going to blow you up, right? Sure. And they, they showed that the values that they got, what they had to pay for these things, were 40-50% discounts from what they were being carried at. Now, here's the trick. A month earlier, that other firm had reported earnings with a a set of financial statements. You're telling me that the value of everything they held 
went down by 40% in a month? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, nobody went to jail. Again, no one goes to jail. So why does no one go to jail? Well, gee, maybe because if people go to jail, it won't just be the person that get arrested. It'll be all the people that are being blackmailed. Yeah, right. Exactly. Carl, in, in your research, who are you who are you able to hold accountable? Who's who's behind some of this uh, string pulling? Well, you can't. That's the problem is there's so much of it. See, if it's easy, you know, if if you've got a bunch of mafiosas running around a, a city or a county or whatever. It's a relatively small group of people, and the number of people that they're influencing is a relatively small number. Right? You know, it's your city council or something like that, right? Uh, you bust them, and you know, you can lock a few people up, and it's done. This is a cultural problem. This goes beyond the. You know, you're not just going to say, "Oh, gee, you know, the FBI," because uh, who thinks that the top people of the FBI aren't? in the same box. I mean, are you joking me? Of course they are. So the only way this gets addressed is for the people of this country to rise up and say, we're not going to put up with this anymore. It's going to stop. It's going to stop now. And if it doesn't, we're going to make it stop. And there are peaceful ways to do that. I mean, you know, of course, the, the first thing everyone says, oh, you're saying, you know, you got to have 70, 76. No, 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 no. Look, you could have a general strike tomorrow and the economy and the tax receipts of the federal government would go in the toilet within a few days, and the cities would be burning in a week, and nobody would have to lift a finger to do a single violent thing. Why? Because everybody, I mean, how, how long would it take before your grocery store was cleaned out if there were no trucks coming to fill yeah, it up? Right. right, right? right. So, and, and by the way, there's nothing, not, there's nothing violent about refusing to drive the truck. <laughs> okay? Sure. It's just, it's just saying... We're not going to do it, all right? And then the government is not taking in any money, so now you've got no bonds coming in. You've got nothing to sell, all right, in terms of, of tax receipts, right? So that unbacks the Treasury. What happens to the Treasury market? What happens to Treasury yields? They skyrocket. What happens to the ability? See, this, the people in this country, we hold all of the power. Right. The politicians think they do. The truth is they do not. And that's the, the truth. Is, yeah, that's sorry. The thing is, we hold all the power, but until we decide to exercise it and say this corruption is going to stop, the idea that you can just go get some free health care from somebody, you know, you've got the, the people on the left that are running around, oh, Medicare for all, and this, that, um, excuse me, if we cut the cost of medical care by 80%, you wouldn't need Medicare. You wouldn't need health insurance except for a policy against catastrophes like cancer, and that would cost you two or $300 a year. Amazing, amazing, Carl. Let's let's broaden the spectrum here a little bit, and 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 I want to address uh, banking, but but broadening the spectrum here to throwing a suggestion out there. So so and and that's exactly right. That's why I do what I do, and I and it's I'm sure it's why you do what you do is because the the, the power is with the people. The government, we are the government, and 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 we're here to remind 
ourselves and each other that 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 is the design and that is what's made this country great but but let's let's kind of say hey look wait a second here there's masks being there's masks being worn and there's strings being pulled here and there's deception and blackmail and that sort of thing at the bottom of the the, the, the end of the day we we're all in this economy together but but what's the biggest mask uh, placed on that economy, does the does the Federal Reserve need to be reformed? No, because the Federal Reserve is, for the most part, a creature that follows what it is shoved in front has shoved in front of it. Uh, remember that the Federal Reserve was created by an act of Congress. It could be deleted by an act of Congress. In fact, the Federal Reserve is not the first. Bank of the United States, right? <laughs> okay, right. it's been not. done a few times before, right? We we've had a few bites at this apple in the past. Uh, there is there is a blatant fraud within the Federal Reserve's operations, which is out in the open and notorious. You hear Janet Yellen, you heard Ben Bernanke, you hear you you now hear Powell talk about a two percent inflation target. The law. The Federal Reserve Act says that the Federal Reserve's mandate is stable prices. A 2% inflation rate, uh, anybody that's done any kind of, of banking or interest calculations, everything yeah. else, knows about this thing called the rule of 72, right? Divide 72 by the, the rate of change, and you get the number of years for something to double or have. This means that the price of everything doubles if you keep your 2% inflation rate and it's accurate and it's real and you're not lying about it every 35 years. Well, that's not stable. Right. A 2% inflation rate is illegal. Furthermore, all economies are inherently deflationary because productivity is the definition of deflation. It is the ability to do more with less. So if I can produce 10% more stuff using the same amount of labor, that's deflation. The price of every of that thing should come down by 10%. And by the way, the person who's supposed to get the benefit of that is all of us. Because don't you like it when you get more for spending less? Of course you do. That's that's good. Sure. Your houses should go down in price, cars should go down in price, education should go down in price, healthcare should go down in price. Right. That's what technology does. And that is what advancement of a society does over time. It gives people more for less. Well, what what is this official declaration that we're going to make the thing make everything go the opposite direction on purpose? Right. Okay. And by the way, Congress has the ability to stop that because they're the ones that passed the law. So where are the cops? Where are the handcuffs? Right. Um, I caught Ben Bernanke into the maw of the collapse in 2008. He he made a statement in front of Congress that he was adding liquidity into the system during that to try to stop the collapse when Lehman went under, went under. The public data published by the New York Fed said he actually pulled over $60 billion out of the banking system. Wow. On purpose. Okay. That's public data. I, I faxed a copy of it to every single member of Congress, and the next time he got in front of Congress from Humphrey Hawkins, there was not one single question asked about it. All 535 copies were delivered. Unbelievable. Oh, you want something better? I got a call from Ron's Paul, Ron Paul's office telling me not to fax him anymore. Ah. Yeah, so much for being the great, uh, the great monetary uh, reformer. 
Incredible, Carl. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. So so what is it, what is this thing that's become, you know, so commonly used now within the past couple of years, deep state? How, do you, how does that get defined? What is that? Is that well, what we're looking at here? Yeah, it's everything. I mean, it, it, that's deep state is is just this idea that there's a you know a bunch of hidden bureaucrats yeah. in the you know that are that are behind the scenes pulling all the strings. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little more simple than that. the The reality is that it's it's the American people have decided that they're just you know we I, I hate to say it but we lost our nuts after World War II. And I, like, I like that. I like we that. Need, well, we need to find them because this is not going to stop. And the idea that you can somehow, you know, tax. You look at what's happening in New York. Okay, Cuomo was complaining about this a couple of days ago. He said, well, you know, we we raised taxes. We, you know, and, and of course, the salt deduction went away, which means you can't deduct your property taxes over $10,000 a year. By the way, if you're paying more than $10,000 a year in property taxes, you're getting robbed. May I, may I point that out to people? Um <laughs> And and so, you know, he's like, oh, well, you know, this is so terrible. All these people that are rich, they left the state. Uh, yeah, governor, didn't you think that might happen? <laughs> you know, you can here's here's the thing that I always think is so interesting. Why don't you tax everybody that makes more five hundred thousand dollars at 100 percent or 95 percent? You know, some stupidly ridiculous number. I'll tell you what's going to happen if you do that. The first year you'll get some money. Right. The second year, everyone will make four hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars or less. <laughs> OK, because the day that they get to five hundred, they're going to go to the beach yeah, <laughs> and yeah. they're going to sit there and suck on my ties for the rest of the year. <laughs> and, and why not? OK, look, I'm doing this now. OK, on a smaller scale, because Obamacare, when Obama passed this, Obamacare yeah. says that the second twenty thousand dollars you make as a single person gets taxed at over 50 percent because the subsidy goes away. And so you pay about $10,000 a year for a worthless health insurance policy that you don't need if you're healthy, okay? And yet you have to buy it or you get penalized, all right? So you can't buy a lesser one because you, you, you can't buy them anymore. They're all gone. So <laughs> what you're saying to me is that if I make twenty dollars $23,000 a year, I can have good health insurance and I pay $5 a month. But if I make $40,000 a year, I have to give... 10,000 of that 40 to the health insurance company for something I don't need. Yeah. Also, a bunch of drug addicts can have, you know, whatever they want, sure. right? Well, guess what? I'll make $23,000 a year. Right, right. And when I get to $23,000 a year, I stop working. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can do that because I own my house. I don't have any debt. And, you know, and I don't, I don't need a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Right. Yeah. So I can do that kind of thing. But... You know what? I can easily. I mean, I, I had a mid six figure income when I ran MCS for several years running. Sure. I can do yeah. it again, but I'm not going to as long as the government does this. Right. Right. It's 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 totally killing. Uh, it's killing. Uh, it's killing the, the entrepreneurialism. It's killing the economics of the country. It's 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 killing. Uh, is it purposely being done? Well, I don't know, but it's killing the tax receipts because I, boy, I'll tell you what, I got writer's cramp writing those checks back in the 1990s, <laughs> <laughs> and I would be happy to do it again. I don't mind paying taxes at a reasonable rate if I make a lot of money. I, uh, that's what my CPA guy that had uh, did that stuff for me because you know things get complicated when you start making a whole bunch. 
And, uh, you know, he used to tell me, he says, you shouldn't complain about writing these checks. He says, that just means that you're, you're doing really well. <laughs> he says, the alternative is, is you're broke. <laughs> so, you know, then you don't have to write any checks. But I, I'm perfectly happy to pay essentially nothing. I, I don't need to live in an opulent right. lifestyle. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Carl, what's, what's the biggest threat to, uh, to the United States today? Uh, domestically, let's think domestically here. What's, what's oh, the, oh, that's oh, that's easy. Uh, we are not going to make it through 2024 without a fiscal collapse, and and I've I've been on the record on this for quite a while. In fact, my original prediction on this was within a few years of that date, back in the 1990s, and I said this was going to happen. And the reason is the healthcare scams. And if wow. and there there is no way to fix this with taxes. People need to understand something. You cannot fix this with taxes. You cannot fix this by expanding Medicare and Medicaid. You cannot fix this by so-called fixing Obamacare. There is no way to fix this other than to break the monopolies and tell the people who are doing it today that if they don't stop, they're all going to go to prison and then start doing it. And you won't have, you'll have to lock a few of them up, not too many, because they won't believe you. Of course, you know, after 40 years of lying that, oh, well, yeah. we're going to make it. You know, they're not going to believe you until you actually arrest a few of them. You perp walk a few hospital executives and some doctors and some drug executives. You perp walk them down to the local courthouse and you charge them with, with you know, 500,000 counts of violating 15 United States Code. Uh, oh, by the way, that's 10 years in the can for each one and a million dollar fine. Uh, ow. <laughs> okay. Right. You only have to do it once or twice and it will stop. But if we don't do it and we don't do it now, what's going to end up happening is that Medicare is going to run out of bonds that they can redeem. And the entire impact, they are 75% unfunded based on tax receipts right now. Wow. Medicare. All right. Medicare and Medicaid spend over a trillion dollars a year between the two of them. Between those two programs, I can take thirty, probably three hundred to four hundred billion out of that by telling people who are obese and have diabetes or pre-diabetes, no treatment for you unless you stop eating carbohydrates. In other words, it costs zero, but the government will not do it because being fat on purpose, eating like garbage, eating garbage on purpose, getting high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, and ultimately dying on purpose. And billing somebody else has become a civil right. This must stop. Wow. And at the same time, we have to stop this crazy billing nonsense. You know, look, I when you can walk into a place in Japan, and this is this is not an exaggeration, this is a God's honest truth. You can get on a plane to Narita, fly to Japan, it's just outside Tokyo, for those people who don't know. Um, walk into a medical center in Japan and pay the yen equivalent of $100 for an MRI. That same MRI here in the United States costs you 1000 to $2,000. You can actually get on a plane, fly there, have the scan done, have it read, come back, and spend less money. My goodness. You went halfway around the world. Right. Okay? That's insane. And the only reason it goes on is because of the fraud and the felony. And if we don't stop it, it's going to bankrupt the country. It is right now, as it stands, if you fix this, the federal budget runs a perpetual surplus of approximately $400 billion a year wow. forever. Social Security is not broken. Those people who say it is and try to put the two together, they're lying. 
I've run the numbers on this. I've written some some articles on it. Social Security, with a relatively small increase in the tax rate or a change in the phase-out. You know, you get beyond the, the phase-out amount, you don't pay it anymore, right? You could lift that a little bit. You increase the tax receipts by about 12%, 13%, and it is perpetually funded into the future. It, there's no problem with Social Security. Yes, today it is running a deficit, but remember... All those boomers that are collecting, they're going to die because that's what we all do eventually. And so their impact on the system is temporary. It will go away. And the people that built the system when they designed it, designed it knowing this on purpose to have those bonds for that reason to get spent down during baby busts and build them during baby booms. Well said. Well, that's the way it works. But Medicare was built for a system where medical care is 4 to 5% of GDP, and today it's five times as large. There is no way to fix that because you're underfunded by 75%. Wow. Good stuff, Carl. Let's bring it down to the individual listener. What, 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 can, what can the audience member do right now? What's the best well, as an indiv- put forward? As an yeah. individual, I don't know that there is anything that it, a, a single person can do. Yeah. The people of this country, as a group, as a collective, as citizens, need to join together and stand up and say, this ends now. Right now. Today. I, you are going, Congress is going to repeal the law that says that I can't buy my drugs from anywhere I want to. And companies that violate the law on pricing and engage in price fixing and collusion, they're all going to, people that run those companies are going to go to prison. <laughs> and if you do this as a medical center and you say, well, we're going to bill uh, you if you're on Medicare at uh, $200 for this procedure, and if you have private insurance, you're going to pay $2,000, and if you don't have any insurance, you're going to pay $50,000. <laughs> Anybody that does that goes to prison. Okay? Every, you know what? It, it, let me ask you a question. Why is this so complicated? You go into Walmart, you go to fill your car up with gasoline. If they didn't tell you how much the gas was until after you pumped it and you got charged based on which auto insurance Forget company you it. had, the place would be burned to the ground in an hour. <laughs> Nobody yeah. would put up with that. Yeah. All right? Th- that's really what's going on here. Well, that's it's a good point. It's not that hard. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point. That's a good point you make. Uh uh wow so so carl this is a you 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 think this is a cultural uh yeah this is the cultural thing this is this is what's becoming of uh the united states culture that's that's causing things like this to happen absolutely because everybody you know look at look at the rise of people like i i call her occasional quote cotex but you know that's a derogatory term (laughs) (laughs) but look at look at this you know so-called democratic socialist stuff Look at the rise of this. Oh. Where is this coming from? All right, the idea yeah. that you can get something for nothing? Who are we trying to joke? It's what spreading like wildfire. Is there? Yeah, well, yeah but, yeah, but that's a cultural problem. Yeah, yeah. All right? Yeah. Where, where did I have to actually go out and work and earn some money? And, oh, by the way, I get to keep it after I earn it. <laughs> where, did that con- where did that go away? And, and think about this, folks. It wasn't that long ago that one person in a couple could go to work and raise a family of four on the wages they earned. Wow, yeah. You ever thought about why you can't do that anymore? It's all these scams, okay? You know, Michigan has a no-fault car insurance law. 
All right, they passed it about 30 or 40 years ago with the intention of stopping the lawsuit lottery when there were car accidents. All right, and it it did exactly that. It took the medical industry very little time to realize that they could turn around and charge you three to five times as much for an injury if it happened during a car accident as if it happened while you were walking your dog. Uh-huh. Now, that's a felony, okay? But no one will prosecute anybody, and so guess what? Now, liability insurance in large parts of the state of Michigan, just liability insurance, no collisions, over $2,000 a year. Wow. And that's if you're a decent driver. My goodness. And I know this because guess what? I ran my mom's money for the last several years of her life, and I know what she was paying. Wow. Uh, Carl, are there are there any insurance companies that 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 grab your attention right now as being major culprits of this? All uh, of them. In, in the healthcare industry. <laughs> All of them. I mean, you know, look, insurance is a regulated business. Okay. An insurance company is a business where you get you get to make about ten percent. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less, depending on the insurance regulators, the commissioners in your state, whatever have you. Okay, but you get to make about 10%. So think about this. If you're an insurance company, how do you make your business grow? How do you how do you make your volume and your profit grow? There's only one way to do it, because you only make 10%, right? And that is more money has to flow through your hands. So do you really think the car insurance company wants you to have fewer accidents and less expensive ones? No, they want you to have more expensive accents. They love $50,000 cars instead of $15,000 cars because $50,000 cars cost more to fix. And the only way they can make more money is if the amount of claims that they have to pay out goes up. The amount of premium that they they get to collect more premium. It's the only way to make the business larger. It's It's not malicious. It's just the way the business works. Unbelievable. Incredible words. uh, words. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Carl Denninger. Carl, do you have any final words that you'd like to share with listeners? Final words and uh, and a website or uh, or, or a a blog site that uh, listeners can go to? Well, you can read my stuff at uh, market-ticker.org. And uh, it takes both regular HTTP and and preferred HTTPS because that way people can't see what you're actually reading. I don't know why it would matter. I'm publishing it after all. Uh, but, but you could go either way. And and really, I think what I would like to leave listeners with is is that this is a cultural issue. We need to stop thinking that government can find a solution to problems. We need to insist instead that the fraud within the existing system, wherever it is, and it's everywhere, all right, that the people that commit these crimes get the same treatment that you do if, you know, some guy walks into your store and sticks up the gun and says, right. you know, hand, hand over all the cash. We need to start treating the people that do this on a grand scale the same way that we would be treating the guy who walks into the bank and does it. And we're not. And we haven't been for decades. And that must stop. Carl. Carl Denizer, thank you very much for joining Discussions of Truth. We look forward to inviting you back on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, Carl Denizer. Thank you. Discussions of Truth continues to receive incredible guests. 
It has since the inception. And that is because, in my opinion, no more has it ever been pertinent and incredibly important that you and me stand up to make a difference. And like Carl said, we all have to come together. And that's why I strive to send a message that crosses political divides. There's no, this is a united country. These states are united. Well, you've got divisions happening, and that can't happen for the country to progress and strengthen. I will be right back with some final words. This is Discussions of Truth, broadcasting live Wednesdays, 5 p.m. from the Windwood District of Miami, Florida. Master of puppets. <laughs> Are there masters of the puppeteering that's going on? For instance, like Carl addressed in Virginia. I think that there are certainly strings that get pulled. There are very powerful organizations in the world. There's no doubt about it. Richard Lighthouse has his opinion and his take on Lloyd's Bank of England. 
we happen to be, as the United States, the most powerful country on the planet. There's, there's, that's very, there's a very little question in that. There's very little question. I, I'm talking militaristically, and, uh, and, I'm not, and I don't support that. Uh, I do support security. And if that's what it takes, it's what it takes. But the United States lost its testicles after World War II. Which then, according to Carl Denninger, but which then sparks my commentary of researching Anthony Sutton. And again, I, I go to I, I I probably refer to him on every show. Former Stanford Hoover fellow. Who did Vietnam benefit? You're telling me the United States didn't have the firepower to totally obliterate? Of course it did. It dropped an atomic bomb in Japan. Okay, I'm not not suggesting that an atomic bomb should have been used in, in Vietnam. I'm not, I'm not talking. I'm not suggesting that. Again, I'm a nonviolent person. I don't don't believe in settling any dispute in a, in a violent manner. But there are organizations and there are groups that pass laws to benefit themselves, knowingly doing so as it. Damages you. Healthcare reform, insurance, banking, master of puppets. If I do nothing other than help you incite a intellectual discussion within your own brain, then I've done my job. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Denninger.net is Carl's one of Carl's websites. You can go there to, to touch base and see what he's doing. That's D-E-N-N-I-N-G-E-R. .net. Next week, be right back here with former defense attorney of Southern California, now based in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's authored, I believe it's over 20 books, Mark Shaw. And until then, be awesome.